Do you like all things spooky? How about chilling stories that have you reaching for the covers? In this podcast, we're going under the covers to delve into all things from chilling haunts to your worst nightmares. I'm Morgan. And I'm Emily. And this is why we don't Don't sleep sleep alone. alone. I get shy every time you press that button, girl. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast sorry about the delay in episodes uh it was a really rough week as you can hear (laughs) for the both of us and uh we just needed to take some time to uh recuperate (laughs) yeah yeah in which i am no longer sick but i still sound like a man so we don't have another co-host it's just me a little raspy a little a little raspy raspy a little nasally maybe this is my new sound maybe people like this much better than my normal maybe if you can't hear a difference thanks (laughs) hey whatever works well i'm just gonna jump into it uh you can find us on social media at do not sleep alone on instagram TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok. And we have a website that we Emily do. worked so hard on. It's so pretty. Yeah. The best way to find that website is actually to go to our Instagram. And we have the link in our bio. What? Uh, it has all of our episodes on there. It has a way to contact us directly from the website. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, you can do it all through there. Yep. Uh, which makes it super easy. And uh, there's just a whole lot of little stuff on there. It's not anything crazy fancy, but it does make listening to us and talking to us even easier than Ooh. ever. So uh, give us a follow on do, on Instagram. Uh, do <laughs> not it. sleep alone. <laughs> You're doing great. I am exhausted. This is why I don't do the intros, guys. Yeah. I can't do it. Emily does it much better than I ever would. I do all the logistical side and yep. like techie side and I'm just here for emotional support. Yeah. Let's be honest. That's that's it. That's it. You know, it's okay. It's whatever. It's fine. There's there's always one side, two sides to every coin. So, so my story takes <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, so I wanted to beat you to the punch. <laughs> so what's your story, Morgan? Let's 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 jump right in. So we're going to have to get in our little planes and take a flight over to Macedonia. <laughs> oh, which uh... this story caught my eye cuz it's like super interesting and I definitely like things that are super interesting (laughs) yeah me too but what i'm not good at is names and all of these names are very difficult so without further ado let's just jump right in go for it did you like my bass in my voice yeah i said that Born in 1952, Vlado, the only name in this story that I'm probably going to pronounce correctly, had grown up in a quiet town where everyone knew everyone. So super small town. Everybody knows everybody. 
It's the 50s in Macedonia. That's where we at. Vlado had two uh, other siblings, one older and one younger. And the older brother, don't have a lot of information about him, but he was disowned after moving out of the family home. Oh. For making some bad decisions. Vlado's mother was a God-fearing woman who valued the opinion of others and her family about her family and herself. I know someone who's kind of like that. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> the family went to church every Sunday, and Vlado was known as the perfect and devoted child to the church, as well as school, because he never got any like bad marks in school. He always did really, really well. And you would often hear other parents saying in the town that Vlado wouldn't do that. Vlado wouldn't make that decision. So he was just kind of like a grade A example of what a child should be during this time. Vlado's father was a good man who maybe drank a little bit too much, maybe ate a little bit too much, but he never did anything to hurt Vlado, his family, and his mother. And he was also a World War II vet, so he'd seen some shit. At 13 years old, Vlado's mother would then feel the pressures of a small town when gossip began to spread about her and her family. No one told Vlado's mother just what the gossip was about until three teens in which Vlado's mother worked with knocked on the door of the family home and delivered horrific news about their perfect little boy. The couple of years leading up to this day, Vlado's mother began to notice that he didn't want to attend church as often. He always had like an excuse that he had some sort of like school project or whatever. And he even began to hang out with a new group of youths street youths the street youths in the town when before one of his best friends was the reverend son so it was very out of character for him to not be hanging out with him and to be hanging out with a new group of children that were just known for not having the best of intentions and this is whenever things began to turn for vlado when he joined the local gang and would rob people do things that were just not, not good. good. He was a hooligan, let's be honest. And the whole town ended up finding out about this, that Vlado had joined this local gang, but no one had the heart to tell the mother or the family. So they just looked at her with pity and like whispered behind her back and like all that kind of stuff. And with being the God-fearing woman that she is, she turned to the church to try to get some reconciliation to figure out like what she should do in this situation this is whenever vlado's mother then began to control just about every aspect of vlado's life including his clothing friends and even where he went to school so she ended up moving him schools into a better part of town where she would hope that he would find better ways to spend his time and go back to the vlado that she knew and loved and she would do anything she could to try to redeem his Reggie Peggy. Yeah, Reggie Peggy wants to be let in. Any chance to redeem himself, just in general, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the town, all that kind of stuff. So we're not off to like a really good start <laughs> because we all know what happens whenever moms try to like get control. up in there and control it's like obviously the kid's gonna go the exact opposite direction so vlado for the rest of his school and college career became a soft-spoken man who kept to himself and would just stay cooped up in his bedroom 
from about age 17 until he was about 21. He just kind of like kept to himself, locked himself in his room. And his parents were not extremely alarmed by this behavior because they would rather him do that than be part of the gang and like getting into that side of town. So they kind of just let him be and let him live until dramatic pause. Oh, he met his future wife one night while he was taking a stroll her laughter is what supposedly caught vlado's attention and so whenever he looked over to see the most beautiful thing he had ever seen he was obviously starstruck he was like oh my god she beautiful i'm trying to tap that so he goes out of his comfort zone and he ends up seeing that she's going to meet some friends for a picnic lets her be what a good man, right? Let's her be, waits until she's done, and then he engages in conversation with her as she's leaving and heading out from hanging out with her friends. Turns out she's a law student, and she actually was one of the first female lawyers in Macedonia. Oh, isn't that cool? But he offers multiple times during the conversation to walk her home, and with her realizing that he's just a stranger she says no but she agrees to give him her phone number she doesn't give him his name she doesn't give him her name there we go english but settles at giving the phone number she's like if you want to reach out reach out but you gonna have to work for this and we love that about her and a week later, Vlado gave her a call and the two had lunch where they immediately hit it off and he finally felt like someone finally understood him. So sparks fly. They're in a great relationship. He's finally starting to get his life turned around. And shortly after, the two get married. They have their first child where Vlado describes him as the most innocent thing I've ever laid my eyes on. So it's like very wholesome, very cute. And life went on. They're perfect for each other. They're happy. They end up having two children in total. And they're having a good time. His career is also doing pretty okay at the time. He was a freelance journalist. And he worked for a couple of newspapers. He did poetry, short stories. Basically whatever he could get published, he did. And he was a phenomenal writer because he kept to himself. He knew a lot about the small town and he always had something to write about. So even whenever crime or anything significant wasn't really happening, he always had something to write about, which was super cool. And after, shortly after getting married and having all these children, he realizes, uh, maybe I need to get like a solid job <laughs> to like make sure that I have income to take care of my family. And this is whenever he gets a job at a newspaper company in Macedonia where he would be successful for a time. And he ends up working at this newspaper company for about 20 years in total. That's his career. And one day at work in 1990, Vlado would be called to a case in which no one could imagine. When arriving at the scene, Vlado was taken to a body bag which contained his father oh my god yeah wow sorry <laughs> oh my god i thought we... sorry I t- oh my god 
I literally, I was like, oh, no one could imagine. I bet it was just like some gruesome murder or something. I was not expecting <laughs> you to be like, it's his dad. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Goodness. He was in shock, even though him and his father hadn't really had like an amazing relationship growing up. It definitely wasn't strained or anything like that. So he was still definitely taken aback whenever he saw his father and then they gave Vlado the news that it was due to suicide which was even more shocking which when you kind of think about it not extremely uncommon for veterans of war especially world war ii because that was very brutal so i don't know if he was dealing with things on the side that maybe Vlado reggie peggy that Vlado didn't know about but it was still a shocker for his dad to have commit suicide. This is whenever Vlado and his mother's relationship really becomes strained to the point that Vlado takes him and his family and his children and leave the house, the family home, and they go out and do their, get own, their own thing. Yeah. So mother is left alone and they begin to drift apart. A few months later, Vlado's mother would be found on an accidental overdosing of her medication and would pass soon after that. So with the stress of both of his parents passing in a very short time, he Vlado became kind of violent. He would kind of like lose his shit every now and then and he would then start drinking and this was just really out of character for him. And he really felt disconnected from his wife at that time because she started to kind of pull away. And obviously his kids are now starting to feel the distance because they're like, well, what's going on, dad? Why are you so different? All this kind of stuff. And with that being said, after being married for some time, Vlado's wife took the kids and they got in divorce, leaving Vlado by himself alone in an apartment. So he moves into an apartment by himself, and as he did in his late teenage years, he just kept to himself, kept writing, just kind of like put his head down. And a lot of his neighbors would describe him as, you know, secretive or soft-spoken, and because all he would ever say to his neighbors is just like a short hello, and that was it. There was never any like casual conversation or anything like that going on. With Vlado working over at the newspaper company... Things start happening in Macedonia during this time. And now we're in like the early 2000s, by the way, for timestamp wise. Mm -hmm. This is all happening like within like a decade. Like his parents dying, strain on his family and marriage, divorce. Now he's out on his own, continuing his career as a journalist. And he becomes very interested in the disappearances and murders of three women in Macedonia, which everyone was because this was like super out of character for such a small town being so peaceful. Mitra. I got this. You I got this. I believe Mitra Simjanoska. Oh, damn. 64 years old, disappeared November 16th, 2004 after a trip to the market. And in 2005 january 12th she had been found strangled bound tortured raped and had been dead for less than two weeks oh so not good 
So she went to, she disappeared, went missing. And then only two weeks before the finding of her body or less than two weeks before the finding of her body, she had been killed. So she hadn't been dead for very long. Oh, I can't say this one. I cannot say her first name for the life of me. Lakoska is her last name. Old Lady Lakoska. 56, which 56 is not old, by the way. I'm not going <laughs> to throw that out there. Uh, disappeared in early November 2007 after going to go buy her groceries and was found on February 3rd of 2008. So again, short amount of time, November to February. She had been strangled, bound, and beaten and raped and was only dead for a few days. So they found her even sooner than Mitra. Zivzana Temelkoska, there we go, 65, disappeared on May 7th of 2008 after a hoax about her son being hospitalized was found on May 16th. She had been tortured, raped, strangled, and was bound by a telephone cord. So all of these kind of have some similarities. They're all pretty much in the same age group. And they were all poor, uneducated cleaners, which also was a trait of Vlado's mother. And the victims have also known Vlado's mother personally, which may have been the reason for his selection as top topics for, you know, reporting. He became super involved in these, in these cases. And a lot of people just chalked it up to being dude's kind of sad. Like he lost his mom. They knew his mom. They're kind of very similar. They're all, you know, poor house cleaners who were uneducated, just like mom. So maybe by reporting on it, he can get the clues to find the killer. Exactly. So no one really rose an eyebrow when he was super interested and became really attached to the police who were investigating these cases. But with Flato's vast knowledge of the killings, like knowing that the phone cord on the last victim was used to strangle the woman and was left at the crime scene. This is whenever the police kind of started putting two and two together because that information was not publicly known. Oh. So he kind of slipped up whenever that happened. And this is whenever suspicion kind of arose around Vlado where they were like, could it be him? No, it can't be. Can't be that quiet guy. He's just like, you know, and on June 20th of 2008, Vlado was arrested when DNA results came back matching the DNA of Vlado himself. In one of the victims, traces of semen were left, and this is what caught our killer. The police and Vlado had been working closely together in reporting and investigating these, ma- these murders because of how heinous and out of character for a place like Macedonia this was. The police investigators were shocked, to say the least, when the DNA results came back and the serial killer had been right under their nose the entire time. Which is kind of common whenever we start looking back at other serial killers. They do like being involved in the crimes that they had done or had been associated with because they get that, like, jolt of a feeling whenever they're back at the crime scene. That's why a lot of them go back to the crime scene to, like, feel those feelings again, you know? And 
with him being so soft-spoken and so quiet and so like i don't know poor me basically the police really didn't suspect him for a while until those dna results came back and with lado's family home searched once he was suspected they found the evidence of pornographic material phone cords for strangulation and a slew of evidence that attached him like i'm not even gonna go through the whole entire list those are like the two main things but just a long list of things that would convict him for two of the murders and while he was awaiting the conviction of the third murder he was found dead in his shared cell with his head in a bucket of water and with no other evidence suggesting foul play or you know him being forced to do this his cause of death was ruled a suicide i don't think you can drown yourself though that's what i'm saying i'm like like, i feel like that's like whenever you try to like i don't know people have obviously accidentally strangled themselves to death because you know like the whole asphyxiation thing but I thought that there was like some type of a defense mechanism that your body has to where if you're trying to kill it by drowning it, your own body will fight you back. Yeah. Like I thought that it's like a mental and like a psychological thing where your body will not let you drown yourself. Yeah. That's why a lot of people kind of like suspect that it was probably his cellmate that ended up doing it was like probably really angry and just like fucking held him in there. But there wasn't really any signs of struggle which is like really really odd i'm almost positive that's a thing though because it takes a while for you to drown to death yeah because you you start to drown we we were talking about this weren't we Uh uh-huh where you start to drown you pass out and then you wake back up and you just breathe in water and then until your lungs fill up and then you die and then you die so i don't think you can actually do that to yourself we may never know I think it's like a... We also may never know what actually happened to these women. Or his mother. Or his mother who accidentally overdosed. Accidentally. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of the conspiracy theorists in the true crime community suspect that he might have had something to do with that, seeing as their relationship was already, you know... Strained. Strained. But it was kind of all ruled out because you always hear that saying, like, people when your spouse dies more often than not the other spouse usually dies quickly after yeah just through heartbreak and all that kind of stuff they don't really find the reason to keep going on so maybe she was just like really tired one night not really thinking it through super emotional and just took extra medication that she wasn't supposed to i i don't know how you accidentally overdose but i'm sure it's a thing yeah like, I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah. And that's why they make those little pill bottles for old people with, like, the timers on them where they can't open it until that timer goes off. Oh. Because they forgot that they took their medication already. hmm So. I think Heath Ledger, he died because of an accidental overdose. You sure about that? <laughs> I mean, I know I know you think that it's on purpose, but I think it technically was accidental because he still had I a daughter and everything. Elvis. No. I'm definitely thinking about Heath Ledger. Because I, think I love Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger accidental, accidental. <laughs> suicide. 
Yeah, died of an accidental overdose of yeah. prescription medications. I was going to say, because I loved him, and he was on those medications because of his role as the Joker. And, like, he had a daughter and, like, everything. Like, he he was in the middle of filming a movie when it happened. Which, that is a very weird movie, but I heavily enjoy it. But I also just heavily enjoy Heath Ledger. Ten Things I Hate About You makes me cry every time. Honestly, though, I mm. love that movie. With uh, Julia Stiles, right? Uh-huh. Ugh, a queen. Her dancing on the table at the party is, like, my life dream. Like, that's the... That's the, the energy I'm going yeah, for. Like, that's the kind of person I'm trying to be. Yeah. So... Not these killers, but today uh, I am talking about two people, and this is actually very close to home. Uh, this story is uh, takes place kind of in Claremont, actually. Yeah, and in the general area that we live in, I am talking about Michael Shaver and Lori Paddleford. Ooh. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, it's semi-recent. Uh, but I'm just gonna let's just gonna jump I in. love that. By the way, I digress. I love that we do not tell each other about. Hello. <laughs> I was like, there was a really loud sound outside just now. Um, I love that we don't tell each other about like what story we're gonna cover. Mm-hmm. Just because it makes it more fun, like how I told you about the body bag and being dad, like. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> like I like the shock value that we get to have now. It's mm-hmm. more fun. Mm-hmm. So just buckle in. I'm gonna sit back and enjoy the story. Lori and Michael were both born in 1982 and ended up meeting while in school together in the seventh grade. Aww. Uh, things kicked off between the two, and they became really close and ended up dating. And then as time went on, they went to high school together still and kept dating. And they actually ended up becoming high school sweethearts and getting married and having two children. Michael was on this track towards being a commercial pilot and got all the mechanical, you know, knowledge and stuff like that. And then (laughs) actually found his dream job in 2014 when he was hired on at the Walt Disney World company as a mechanic and then that's when they moved to Lake County dope and 2014 uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's like fairly recent that's so it's literally the year i graduated from high school wow wild morgan so wild. obviously it wasn't that long ago and uh this case is actually still ongoing But the property that they ended up moving on to was uh, five acres of land, Uh and it was pretty secluded. They didn't really have any close neighbors or anything like that. It contained a horse barn, pastures, little, like, fenced-in areas, and it was a mobile home, so nothing super fancy. But, like I was saying, it was very secluded, and there was just, like... There was a chicken coop and, like, other stuff like that. Like, it was very... Lake County's quiet. Yeah, exactly. You know how Lake County is. Yeah. And uh, after they moved, things started to go really south between the two only a few months later. So, something about the story, and you guys just have to bear with me, is there's a lot of dates that all kind of happen. So, I have to go through everything date by date. So, just bear with me. But on June 24th... 
2014, Michael texted a friend saying that Lori and him were getting divorced. Oh. And then, yeah. A month later, July 22nd, a call was made to the household where Michael was arrested and charged for domestic violence. Shit. And then about a couple weeks later, on August 1st, Lori uh, crashed her truck into a tree with both of her children in the vehicle. And um, they were all injured and the vehicle was totaled. And she claims that she had been reaching for her purse and just accidentally swerved off and hit the tree. But neighbors believe that she had been drinking. Oh, not good, mama. Yep. And then a month later, on September 4th, an altercation occurred between the two that turned extremely violent. The police report states that the couple had been working on the house together, doing like some sort of a DIY project and just like trying to improve the yard and the house. And they got into an argument that escalated to physical violence. And then there's two different accounts of what happens next. There's Lori's side and there's Michael's side. Uh, Lori claims that Michael had gone into the bedroom to retrieve his .40 caliber gun out of the nightstand. And there was a struggle between the two where she was hit in the head with like the butt of the gun uh-huh. and uh, still fighting back. She ends up getting her keys and grabs the kids and drives to a store in Claremont to ask for help. And on her, you can see visible bruising. Uh, there's like cuts on her arms, her back, her hands, and uh, on her left cheek. So obviously, struggle. Yes. Obviously, something did happen. Yeah. When Michael is asked what happens, he claims that it all happened so fast. And he does say that she she kind of started it and that uh, he tried to grab her to calm her down mm-hmm. because she had thrown a vase of flowers at him and it shattered just like in the movies. Yeah. And so he like tried to grab her to calm her down. And so he said that he could have accidentally like pushed her or something like that because he did grab her. But then he claims that she went into the bedroom and grabbed her .38 caliber handgun from the nightstand and then said out loud, I'm going to end it now. And then he wrestled her for the gun, got it out of her hands, and went to grab his own and then cornered her to try to, like, get her to calm down Uh and emptied all the rounds out of the gun. And then that's when she grabbed it and hit him in the head. And he had a visible cut on his head from this altercation as well. But he was arrested as the primary aggressor. And the charges were dropped since he entered the uh, pretrial intervention program or PTI. Uh-huh. Uh, PTI is basically when you're convicted of a minor offense and the state agrees to drop the charges in exchange for something that is negotiated case by case. So normally people will always take this option because you get the charges dropped and it's cheaper because you don't yeah. have to go through a full trial. And but it's you norm- have to like go to like classes and counseling and shit. Yeah, like it just depends on each case. They'll have you do like classes, counseling, or um, like community service hours and stuff. Because I feel like this case is like kind of like a gray area kind of case. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they have that option. Right. You know? And one of the things that he said is that he took the fall for the whole thing even though like Lori did also do some bad things he wanted to take the major fall for it because if she was at the household when the police were there he was worried that 
they both would have been arrested and then the kids would have been taken. True. So he wanted okay. to make sure that the kids could still have a parent at home, yeah. basically. So, you know, but, you know, that's... Besides the point. <laughs> you know, so... Throughout this time, Lori flies multiple different times, not file, flies, sorry. You got it, babe. I'm not dyslexic, I promise. No, of course not. She files multiple different times for Michael to be charged for different, like, domestic abuse situations, but then always drops the charges and is like, actually, I don't want to press them. I, I don't want to do that. Okay. And then on May 18th, so this is, like, skipping way forward this all happened back in like november and september uh now we're skipping way forward and to may 18th of 2015 michael is dismissed from the pti with all of his charges dropped and the case closed and then during that summer Lori takes the kids and flies up to new york and wants to go visit family which michael doesn't want her to take the kids out of the state and so he calls the police on it because he doesn't want them out of the state. Yeah. And then, weirdly, I don't know why they did this or what this was for. They do file for an LLC on August 4th. Weird. Don't know why, but you know, whatever. And then on November 7th of 2015, the Shaver family is out with uh, one of his coworkers, uh, Frank Merritt, and his wife. And they're at a tractor show. Because, you know, just the Florida things. You know, <laughs> just doing what we do. Yeah. You know, tractors and gun shows and what else? Exactly. Reptile shows. Yep. And uh, the couple started to fight a lot. And so they decided they just wanted to leave the tractor show and whatever. On November 8th, the next day, Michael went into work and everything was normal. And then after clocking out... He said bye to his coworkers and that he would see them on Tuesday. November 9th, Merritt received a text from Michael stating that he was going to quit his job to save his marriage. And then later that day, Lori's sister receives a text that Michael has left her and went to the airport to run away. On November 10th, Michael doesn't show up to work, doesn't call out, doesn't say anything, just no call, no show. And his boss receives a text from him later on that says, I'm having issues at home. I'm in Georgia right now. Just fire me or I'll quit. Which, according to his manager, was very unlike him. Yeah. It seems seems like like a very odd text message to send to your boss. Right. And then on November 11th, he sends a text to his coworkers saying, I quit. Don't contact me. You can keep my tools. What? A little weird. And then on November 13th, Merritt, the friend that he was out with Mm -hmm. at the tractor show and stuff, is like, this is a little, a little sus and weird. He's very out of character for him. And he goes and he tries to stop by the house to check on Michael since he hasn't said anything to him for a few days. And like I was saying, it was just really weird. And then when he gets there, Lori answers the door and she claims that they got into a fight because she found another woman's phone number on Michael's phone. And that he skipped town as fast as he could to go to Georgia. And that's all. And then on November 16th, she sends a text to her sister stating that she was outside all day doing a whole bunch of yard work. Unrelated. Suspicious. (laughs) And later that month, 
a co-worker goes to their residence to pick up Michael for a truck show that they plan to go out to. Again, Florida things. And uh, Lori comes out and says he wasn't home and he hasn't been home in a while. And then tried to sell the co-worker and friend some of Michael's guns. And when he was like, no, uh, I'm not going to pay that. And also, no, I'm not going to buy Michael's guns. Uh, things got a little sour and then he just left and that was it. And then we're going to skip over to 2016 now. Uh, Lori meets this guy named Travis Filmer, who was a student life coordinator at Real Life Christian Church. And they started dating and said that they planned to marry in the future. And she tells him that her and Michael were divorced and that whole marriage is over. Uh-huh. And everyone claims that after she starts dating him, her whole behavior, like, drastically changes. Uh, she started, like, participating more in church and just, like, overall just changed. And just gets one with God, I guess. I don't know. And then on April 20th, one of Michael's friends receives a text from Michael that says, I'm good, okay? Just don't feel like talking to anyone now. Dealing with a lot of shit right now. Which seemed very aggressive to the friend and out of character and not, like, his normal tone. Uh-huh. And then on August 1st, a credit card is issued to Michael and acquires a balance of $3,088 within 20 days, basically, and gets terminated on August 22nd. Then November 16th, Discover Bank issues a civil notice to Michael, and the, like, person that was working on that case left the business card at the Shaver household, so at, you know, Lori's house now, and no one answered the door. And then Lori calls that number and says, hey, Michael hasn't lived here since 2014 when he was arrested. So they're trying to get a hold of him because he has, like, this maxed out card that, like, he needs to pay and he's not paying it. Obviously. You know, all this kind of stuff. And then December 31st, Travis and Lori get married in their backyard on top of this, like, concrete slab like very at home weird wedding right uh-huh they carve their initials into the concrete and i guess this is next to a fire pit or like they will build a fire on top of it sometimes too and then we skip all the way now to 2017 i'm literally on the edge of my seat i know like i'm waiting for you to just like drop the bomb <laughs> <laughs> just buckle in on April 7th in 2017, so this is like months, months, months later, Discover Bank drops their case against Michael since the summons was never able to be served. They could never find him and give him the summons. Damn. So they had to drop the case. And then a month later, May 9th, Travis changes his Facebook profile cover to this very odd image. <laughs> It's very weird. And I think I'm going to use this picture as the one for the Instagram post because it's it's Lori and Michael and they're like on their knees, like facing each other and they're holding hands 
and it's like in a field and they're holding hands over a Bible and they're like heads are like touching. It's very weird. It's a very, very weird photo. And it just gives me like weird vibes. Lori. Okay. Lori and Travis, her new husband, her new husband. Yes. And then a month later on June 19th, a picture is posted of the family where they are announced as expecting a child by Travis's mother and that it would be due in February. Congrats. And then on 20, uh, November 17th, 2017, Michael Shaver updates his uh, profile cover photo on Facebook to a gun. It's like this very stock photo of like a okay. revolver. <laughs> And two months later, he changes his profile picture as well to a group of guys drinking at a bar. But the picture gets traced back to a different Instagram handle that's not him and not his photo. So, a little weird. And then on January... A little weird, Emily? Yeah, I know. A little weird. And then on January 18th of 2018, Lori gives birth to her and Travis's new child. Okay. But then friends and family start to wonder what's going on with Michael because they all start to kind of talk to each other and they're like, hey, have any of you guys actually had a real conversation with him? Like face to face? Yeah. Or even just like a phone call mm -hmm. because he keeps messaging people on Facebook and texting, texting people, yeah. responding and doing all that stuff, making Facebook posts. But everyone starts to realize no one has actually heard his voice in a couple years a couple years it's and, been a while yeah and he also hasn't seen his two children at all in this time frame as well so he, but hasn't... he could have like dipped and been living with his met like mistress yeah you know what i'm saying like he could have just been like fine i'm just gonna go to this life you know and not deal with right crazy pants Lori. but like your kids to though. not your yeah to like to abandon your kids like that and so then everyone's like, this is really sus. And on February 18th in 2018, Michael is reported missing and tells investigators, like, the friend who reports him missing tells the investigators that he has a feeling something isn't right. And, like, he has a really bad feeling about what's going on. And so the investigators go to Lori's home to ask her some questions, and she's very cooperative with them. She lets them come into the house, search the house, and then they, like, kind of start to go outside. And once the conversation goes to them asking if they can, because, you know, they have to, like, ask mm -hmm. for permission to go into certain areas. Whenever they start to ask if they can, you know, search the grounds outside, she kind of immediately puts a stop on everything and tells them that they have to leave unless they have a search warrant. And then she immediately gets an attorney and they're like, Hmm, suspicious, suspicious. <laughs> and, uh, it was pretty easy for them to get a search warrant because obviously know, that was suspicious. That was suspicious. And also she was the last person to have seen him alive. Uh -huh. Technically she was the spouse. And they also find out that, her and Michael are not actually divorced. No divorce was ever filed or anything like that. He just went missing. Well, I mean. So they're a little like, hmm. Yeah. 
That's a little sus too. So they get the warrant and they well, come if back. If you can't ever find him, how how would he fucking sign the papers to Right. And so a month later they get the warrant and come back with cadaver dogs in like the whole shebang. They're like It's time, boys. Something is sus. We're gonna find this out. Immediately they notice this concrete slab in the backyard. I fucking knew it. Is a little weird. Because there's a depression beneath it, and it's a very uneven, shoddy job. And Lori claims that it was used as a chicken coop, but they took it down, and they were going to dig around it to make a pond in the back. Right. Right. And while they were there, the dogs alerted twice while in the backyard, uh, not around the concrete slab, but just two different times in two different areas. And whenever they used the ground radar to search the areas, mm-hmm. uh Nothing really came up. But then they were like, this concrete slab is sus and like kind of weird. So they check underneath the concrete slab and they find human remains, clothing, and all of this wrapped up in a sheet from Kohl's, which was a story Lori would frequently go to, uh-huh. according to bank statements, which like every mom goes to Kohl's. <laughs> I feel like that's like a thing. Like moms are like, have you been to Kohl's? It's Kohl's cash. (laughs) (laughs) My mom and I used to go to Kohl's. I've got Kohl's cash. Let's go. Yeah. Like for back to school shopping. That's where my mom would take us. Yeah. Uh, Kohl's is the place to be. And uh, from this finding, they received a second warrant for the home where they were able to use a special light to detect blood stains in the home. Where they found stains leading from the dining room into the porch. But because it had happened so long ago, they weren't able to test the blood stains for DNA. They just knew that they existed there. OMG. And these remains were found to be no other person than <gasps> Michael Shaver. Oh my god. Police were also able to find that all of his identifications, his licenses, his gun stuff everything had been expired since 2016 did they check the ip address of like all of these like facebook changes and like i don't so i couldn't find anything about them finding ip addresses or anything like that but what they did find is that he had no cell phone at all or anything like that over the past few years well obviously he was dead yeah everything (laughs) stopped in 2016 (gasps) broski yeah and Lori shaver was arrested as the main suspect and had her bail set to fifty thousand dollars god damn and she was actually bailed out and uh she completely 100 percent proclaims her innocence and she's out right now. This is like an ongoing case. She 100% proclaims her innocence about it. And there was actually a, a GoFundMe that she set up to uh, raise money for like stuff. And the GoFundMe video is... Is she cuckoo bananas? Very weird. It's very weird. She does definitely seem a little cuckoo bananas. And uh, later on, her husband, Travis, claims that... Uh, <laughs> Like, he kind of thought there was some concerning signs because she told him um, that basically whenever she was talking about Michael one time, she said that it's not that he's missing. He's no longer walking the earth. That was a quote that he (laughs) claims she said. I would have been like, "Um, babe, (laughs) red flag. I have flag on the play. And uh, he also claimed that she told him that something had 
happened on the property that was really bad and that she knew there was a dead body, but she didn't specify how she knew that information or what the body was or anything. My guy (laughs) got married to this chick on top of her ex-husband. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And they still, because of how, like, weird this case is, they haven't really been able to do much else with it. So it's just an ongoing case that they're still trying to convict her of. Yeah. They got married on top of his dead yeah. body. Yeah. And um, I saw this in one area, but I don't know, like, how 100% credible it is. Uh-huh. But on one of the uh, sites that I was using to find all this information, uh, Travis also says that um, he had bought 40 pounds of concrete mixer for uh, Lori to use in the backyard. Suspicious. And there was the text that she sent her sister about being outside and doing a bunch of hard yard work all day. yard work. So anyways, yeah. Crazy. That is wild. Cuckoo bananas. Yeah. She got married on On her husband's grave because they were so married. Yeah, because they weren't. (gasps) To her new husband. I know. It's crazy. And then her and her new husband conceived a child mm-hmm like damn my question is is why was travis not more concerned <laughs> when she mentioned that he was no longer walking the earth if kyle ever said some shit like that to me i'd be like i'm sorry <laughs> what come at me one more time um hello I'm, I'm going to need you to be a little bit more specific on those specifics right there. Okay. Or like if Dylan was like, so something really bad has happened here and there is a dead body, but I don't know what it is. And that's all the information I can give you. I'd be like, that that's all the, inf- that's all the information. What if this place is haunted? First of all, literally, literally, how do I, uh, what if this place is haunted? First of all, second of all, what have you done it? I, I have some questions, and we're going to live separately until you can answer them. <laughs> until you can answer my questions, I'm taking the kids. I'm taking and the you're cat. think about what I'm you did. I'm taking the dragon. We're leaving. We're skipping town. Yeah. That's my story. So if you ever go to someone's uh, Lake County house, <laughs> and they have a really shoddy concrete slab job, um, maybe just dip. Yeah, ask them a couple questions about their ex. Yeah, ask them a couple <laughs> questions about uh, what their plans are for who that. Who and who is not walking the earth? <laughs> <laughs> so, good question for you. Who's walking the earth and who is not yeah. walking the earth? And if a whole bunch of old ladies go missing... Ask some questions. Ask some questions. Just read between the lines a little bit just a little bit especially if someone is like really really interested in which it. i feel like now nowadays Hindsight. that's what police are like looking out for so yeah. i feel like it doesn't happen as often but still like if someone's like obsessed with a crime or mentions that someone is no longer watching the earth maybe we maybe we should be asking them. we should ask a couple questions just a couple get a search warrant and then ask some questions and 
Don't, don't sleep, sleep alone. alone.